0: But that's the one thing I've learned about business since I've started, is if it makes you nervous, that's probably where you should go. Um, if you are doing things and you're not a little bit on the edge of your seat, if you're not a little bit uncomfortable, then you're probably staying in your comfort zone. And yeah. the most amazing things that happen in your life are outside of your comfort zone. So, so,
1: so, Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to the Mindful and Ruthless Podcast, where you will learn the mind, mind strategies, and the tactics in order to develop a full-stack life. Hey everybody, my name is Sagi Schreiber. I am a designer and entrepreneur and the host of this show. Today I have an exciting show for you for two reasons. One, it's my main flag episode with one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world that I bet a lot of you are already following religiously. And two, it's because this episode changed my life in a way and I'll mention why at the end of this episode, so stick around. Well, for the past couple of years, I've been following a podcast called Smart Passive Income, a podcast hosted by an extraordinary entrepreneur called Pat Flynn. While this is one of the best podcasts I've ever heard and valued from, there is something even more interesting. Pat has managed to build his business around his family and lifestyle. He makes seven figures, shares his income reports on his website, while still being able to work from his home environment and make time for his wife and kids. Now how awesome is that? I'm honored and I'm humbled to have had this opportunity to interview him here on the show. In this interview, we talk about some topics you probably haven't heard Pat talk about else anywhere else. So like karma in the market, uh, his morning routines, his values and guiding principles that makes him, make him basically so successful. We also talked about um, starting out a business, about starting out a podcast. Later we got on uh, to talk about something that is not talked about enough in the entrepreneurial space and that's mastermind groups. Finally, Pat shared some of his favorite resources and tools. So everybody, enjoy this awesome session. Ladies and gents, it's my pleasure to present to you Pat Flynn. Let's get my phone root list. What's up, everyone? Thanks so much for being here and uh, joining us on this interview. My name is Tegi Schreiber. I'm the founder of Mindful and Ruthless. And with me today is Pat Flynn. Pat, what's up, man?
0: What's up, man? Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, man. Thanks so much for, for being here. I know how much, like, how much you, things you have going on in your business and how busy you are. And I really, really appreciate it that you could make it.
0: No, my pleasure to be here. I'm excited to chat. I'm excited to answer questions and just to hang out a little bit.
1: Yeah, man, that's super fun. I've been looking forward. So yeah, so we have like other uh, topics that I prepared that I would love to ask you and kind of learn from your experience. But before that, I just wanna give, I, I know that if you introduce yourself Everybody probably knows you, but but, uh, in general, I've been following you for like about four years. I've been listening to your podcast, Smart Passive Income, Uh, ever since I started scaling my first, like, or my, not my first blog, but my, I started scaling the blog that eventually led me to leaving my day job, and I was listening to everything, all the interviews that you've done with with this amazing, amazing people like Chris Ducker, and um, Mm -hmm. and, like everyone, and, and just like really enjoyed it, and really learned a lot that I actually like actionable tips that I implemented into my business and that really helped me launch my first online course my second online course all along I was with you in my earplugs and like all right okay no let's talk to this guy now they're talking about this and now they're talking about that and and that really helped me and I think that everyone here in this group right now uh, is either is either a solopreneur or someone who's like a creative entrepreneur that right now maybe they have their day jobs but they have something on the side and I I just want to like, really thank you for everything that you've done for me. It's a great opportunity to thank you. And to start off, how about we talk about just, like, kind of introduce of what you're doing right now. Like, what are, what are your main focus areas? I know you have your YouTube. And-
0: yeah, there's a lot of focus areas, and like you said earlier. And
1: now, I got started back in 2008 with uh, a layoff,
0: and actually we're coming up to the 10-year anniversary of that day. It was June Ooh. 17th, 2008. So I celebrate this day every year. It's called uh, Let Go Day, and I invite as many people to celebrate with me as possible. And you might be like, well, why are you celebrating this day? It's because it was the best day that ever happened to me. I didn't know it at the time, though. Uh, It was one of the most depressing things that ever happened because I wanted to be a world-famous architect. And then I had that kind of taken away from me. But I celebrate this day every year because it's really what opened up my eyes to this world of online business and to this amazing community and to success that I never even thought was possible. And this year, being the 10-year anniversary, we're doing something really special. Actually, it's starting next week we're launching a Kickstarter campaign for my book Let Go, which was written a long time ago, but it was just a Kindle book, but we've rewritten it a little bit. We've turned it into a coffee coffee table style book, and we're going to be launching it as a Kickstarter campaign to mainly just give to my audience as a thank you. And we're also including a lot of really cool pledge goals in there related to a lot of fun things. Uh, For example, one of the pledge goals is a VIP ticket to my first ever conference that I'm putting on next year. So that's a big challenge for me, something I'm really nervous about. But that's the one thing I've learned about business since I've started is if it makes you nervous, that's probably where you should go. Um, if you are doing things and you're not a little bit on the edge of your seat, if you're not a little bit uncomfortable, then you're probably staying in your comfort zone. And yeah. the most amazing things that happen in your life are outside of your comfort zone. So we're yeah. validating to see whether or not people would even sign up to that pledge level to want to go to that event next year. Uh, it's likely going to happen next summer but I'm trying to get a thousand people to come to San Diego and it's going to be like an event that you've never been to before. So a lot of fun. I get to be creative. I get to do all the things that I do on other people's stages on my own stage and um, hopefully bring the house down. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I'm working on that. I'm doing a lot of things on YouTube, like you said. So we just hit a hundred thousand subscribers. I just posted a video today of, um, um, an award that uh, YouTube gives you when you hit 100,000 subscribers. It's called the Silver uh, the silver Play Button Award. And I mm. just shared an unboxing video of that. So that's growing quite nicely. Nice. And then finally, webinars. I'm doing a lot of webinars. I have a webinar and it's um, a fun challenge. It's something that I feel like I'm getting a lot better at and something that I was, interestingly enough, very afraid to do before and um again it's another one of those things that makes me nervous which is why i got to do it so a lot of things a lot of irons in the fire but right now i'm here with you guys and i'm happy to serve you in any way that i can so um so yeah i'd love to just take it wherever you want to go
1: yeah man well thanks so much and and it looks like you have so much going on i think it's a great example of um one thing how like a high level entrepreneur like you is like working you're you're in one hand, like you have a lot of things going on. And and second, you know, you're not dropping any of the quality on those things. I mean, I, I love your YouTube channel, super high quality videos, like, um, like you're investing up until the point of like, you know, in the thumbnails and and how the the description looks like and everything like that. Mm. Um, your podcast is still going on super, super strong. You had an amazing uh, podcast episode, by the way, with, um, uh, everybody who didn't listen yet with uh, Noah Kagan about giveaways and uh, contests. So that was amazing. Um, and uh, and and everything that, and the webinars are like, you know, I, I know from talking to you and like being in touch with you like recently, um, it, like how many webinars you're doing and how you're like studying the subject while you're doing it. You're like also investing a lot of time in, in educating yourself on the topic and then trying mm. it out. So all the things that you have going on. and You have your family and lifestyle that's...
0: Yeah, which is at the top. The family is always at the top. And just so you know, like I'm doing a lot of things, but it didn't start out this way. And I have a team helping me now. I had done everything on my own for six years uh, as I was building it up. But eventually I had to learn to make that transition from scrappy entrepreneur to CEO and hiring people to help me. But number (laughs) one, like you said, is family. And that's why I connect with you really well, Siggy, is because you are very much in touch with your family and, and, and the love that you have for your wife and your kids. And I'm very much the same way too. That's the most important thing. And that's why I do all this stuff and why I create things that can be, if they become successful, turn into something that can eventually be automated or handed off to somebody else so that I can take some time back and spend it with the, with the kids and family and, you know they're they're the most fun things I don't know if you saw my Instagram I think you did I yeah, think I saw your yeah, name yeah. On
1: I'm following my Instagram man i'm I'm all me, over your stories yeah
0: um we uh I played a little rock music and the kids were dancing and screaming their heads off last night. It was a lot of fun
1: <laughs> yeah with the close up of your son like, <laughs> it's amazing so i I really want to talk about that for a second because um there's there's like the two kind of like versions of entrepreneurs like successful entrepreneurs there's like the Pat Flynn's <laughs> and there's a, like the, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuk's in um, a way, you know, it's like um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and, and I was like that. Um, I, I, I wasn't like Gary Vaynerchuk at all. Like I was like you in, in many ways when I left my day job and started hustling to make money, but um, I worked really, really damn hard and I didn't find it like find the time to, to basically get my lifestyle, build my business around my lifestyle, not the other way around. Basically, I started building, like, everything, like, that I did was for the business because I was saying, like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I need to uh, get things launched. And eventually, like, what I learned is, like, you never get things launched, right? And um, now that, I mean, I'm maybe just beginning to get it, but you're already at the level where you're doing it for years. And I wanted to ask you kind of, like, um, first of all, how do you divide your time? How How do you manage that time between your work and your family?
0: Yeah you know it's interesting the sort of juxtaposition between myself and people like me and then people like Gary Vaynerchuk. The truth is we both hustle really hard. Yeah. But yeah. you see Gary hustle all the time with his work, his work ethic and being involved in social media and, and and just going really over the top with how hard he works there. Me I work just as hard but I divide that time elsewhere and It all depends on who you are and what you know you're good at, and also what you consider to be most important. for For me, I I hustle with my family. I hustle in making sure I devote all my time and energy to them when the time is uh, for that. Um, And then when I'm at work, I dedicate and hustle my time for that as well. I think hustle. A lot of people kind of misinterpret that to be you have to work yourself to the bone and not care about anything else. And just so happens that we have Gary to help show us the example. But He loves his work so much that that's all he's doing. And that's okay. That's his DNA. A lot of us don't have his DNA. I work hard and hustle and put all my time and dedication into not just work, but also my family and now music and other uh, personal development, fitness, health, those kinds of things too. So it all depends on who you are. I think the problem is we see Gary teaching a lot of other people and thinking that that's the only way to hustle is to be just like him. Take his hustle but then use it elsewhere. Um, I I, I think that's the key. For me, in terms of time balance, the big thing to know is that there's this myth called work-life balance, and it is really a myth. There's no such thing as actually perfect 100% work-life balance because when you think of a scale, right, a scale with equal weight on both sides, that's the only point at which it's perfectly balanced when when there's equal weight on both sides. So If you strive in your life to have equal weight on both sides on both work and personal life, you're always going to be upset because it's never going to be perfectly balanced the trick is to not have it shift so much to one side or so much to the other side um, and to have systems in people in place so that when you do tilt maybe too far to one side you have things that allow it to come back on the other side so one example for me is you know i work hard and i have launches every once in a while for courses or books or other things like that when i'm in launch mode I mean, I'm putting in 60 hours a week during launch mode because I want to crush that launch. I work so hard for that. And I know that that's going to pay me back in long-term down the road. Leading up to that, I communicate with my wife and family and let them know that, hey, it's launch week coming up. April, my wife, you're going to have to, you know, watch the kids a little bit more and I won't be there to support you as much as I normally am. But on the other end of that, we're going to go on this vacation together. And so that'll be like, us coming back and tilting it back to you know as much to the center as possible and so there's always a a Give and take a yin and yang and communication back and forth and then at the same time I ask April So hey, babe, like what 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 do you want to focus on? What do you need time to do? Let me take the kids you go do that so that you know, I had my launch you do your thing I don't care what it is. So we have as much balance as possible um, and knowing those things ahead of time makes it so that we're not always reactive. And I think a lot, of, a lot of people get stressed out when we become reactive creatures. But when you become more proactive and plan, and yes, plans don't always work out the way you want them to, but at least it gives you some direction. And that way, we're putting our time and energy where it needs to be. But also, you are seeing the thing on the other end of all that hard work that's going to pay, be the payoff, not just the income that you might make from those launches, but also the time that you're going to spend with your family on the other end. And the kids especially, I mean, they're at the age now, eight and five, where they kind of know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So if I'm locked up in the office all day long, I need to tell them why. And that's one of the most important things for me is to get the kids involved and in knowing why I do what I do. I take them in the office. So I have them podcast and play with the buttons and all that stuff because I want them to see why I'm doing this. And having that other end where we're now spending time together or going on a trip together, or we can do rock music together at home. They know that that's why I put in this hard work. So they're able to kind of let off when I'm in launch mode, but then we go full on when we're in family mode. Yeah. Um, my, if you, if you want to get a little bit more granular with productivity, I mean, every day has a specific set of things that I do. For example, Monday is my writing day, Tuesday's my filming day, Wednesday's, my meeting day, Thursday and Friday are cleanup days. And that allows me to wake up every single day, And after my morning routine, which I have, I do the same exact things every morning. Then I know going into that day what my focus is. Nothing else matters. And yes, there are some things that kind of inject themselves into my life that were not planned every single day. But as much as I can, I put those aside until the end after I finish what I know I need to do, which I already know leading into that day. So was it always like this? Definitely not. I used to take it day by day. I used to publish a podcast episode and then go all right, publish that episode, what's coming out next? I used to wake up on different days and go, all right, what can I do today? And that's okay, I'm getting stuff done. But planning a little bit ahead of time and, and being very, very proactive um, and efficient is, has been a game changer
1: for me, for sure. I mean, that, that's super word... Um... I think you mentioned a lot of things that have like uh, many tiny nuances to them. Like, for instance, your communication with uh, April, your wife. So mm-hmm. you're talking about communication. I think it's not something that um, is so simple for a lot of people, um, but it's it's crucial. I mean, people don't get it. I mean, it, it's all about communication. I think and about yeah. having those talks because I, I I guess I mean April was not used to this kind of entrepreneurial life uh, on your she end. Sign <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got engaged
0: and then I got laid off and then I become an, an entrepreneur yeah. and I'll tell you it's been a learning process we've had conversations um, yeah. heated conversations about this lifestyle and I'm so thankful that she's always been completely honest with me about how she feels because then we can work together versus just us butting heads against each other all the time
1: yeah I think it's super important and also like and also you have um, a couple of like stuff in your teams, right that are um, helping out like on the day-to-day basis, right? You have like date night.
0: Oh yeah. We have date night every Thursday, which is key because that allows us to spend a little bit of time, even, even though it's like three hours a week, um, it's yeah. three hours that we don't have the kids where we can talk and communicate. And we do talk and plan about yep. things. We have quarterly meetings as, as a yep. husband and wife team. We have quarterly meetings where yep. we share each other's schedules and goals and what we, what we want to do, the rest of the year, when our vacations are going to be, we honor those times. We don't schedule anything around that. Even if I get asked to speak, sorry, it's on a vacation date. Can't do it. Um, so we, we treat our family like a business.
1: Yeah, it's actually a, a great TED Talk. I don't know if you saw it about, about this. Um, have you seen it? I don't think I have now. I, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was like a, a, a TED talk where this guy comes from development and he says like businesses um, are just like families. I mean, you should take your agile meetings into your family and therefore uh, he said, he talked about having a, a weekly meeting, all of his family mm-hmm. together and just like another meetings, like with his wife and kind of like planning every week ahead and kind of like that, that cool. makes a lot of sense. Um, I so, like that
0: idea. There's a lot of uh, analogies between relationships and business for sure. Yeah. Right. Like, when you're when you're coming out with new business ideas it's like you're dating right the beta phase where you're testing and analyzing and things don't always work out things break there's a lot of bugs <laughs> yeah. uh, some of the people you might find and date but uh then you eventually land on that you know prototype that you really love
1: and anyway keep going. <laughs> yeah i know i i'm I totally i'm totally with you i i think that uh the family is like the most important startup um and I want to just I want to just ask you um, about your work hours. Okay, if, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. So what are your, I mean, for like your usual work hours um, in like, or do you have anything like specifically specifically laid out?
0: Yeah, I mean, it changes. It's definitely changed over time as well. I used to be a night owl and do most of my work after the kids went to bed. Actually, even before the kids, I used to work all day, which was not okay because then I didn't have boundaries. The kids really helped me understand how important it is to have boundaries. And and, 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 and I'm not saying like as a strategy, go have kids. But what I'm saying is that <laughs> helped me focus and, and made me realize how important it is to focus. Because if I was just working all day, and, and, and not doing the work that I should be doing and kind of just wasting time. And that's time I'm taking away from my family and my kids. So I've gotten really honed in on that. But every day has changed. And of course, when the kids are just very young, the, the, the sleep schedules are kind of crazy. So you kind of have to find time and you have to sacrifice a little bit of sleep here and there. And I you know, quit golf because golf was like five hours for 18 holes. So that's one thing I sort of was okay with giving up in exchange for a little bit more headspace for the work and the family kind of stuff. But anyway, I'm getting a little bit more time back now because the kids are both in school. Um, my daughter's still in school for half day, although that's going to change uh, next, um, next semester, next, next um, quarter. But um, yeah, I mean, I get a lot of my work done between the hours of 5 a.m. and when the kids get up. And that's really great. I love waking up early, doing my morning routine, and then getting into work mode right away because even if nothing else happens after the kids get up, even if I waste the entire day after that, at least I accomplished something in the morning. And that's like, kind of like the strategy of making your bed every morning. And well, at least when you come back to the bed at night, you can see that you at least done one thing during the day. And those things typically stack on each other. And I never just do that thing in the morning. I often, when the kids go to school, then have time to get things done. Um, it depends on what day it is, right? Uh, if I'm filming, typically it's between nine and when the kids get out of, uh, get out of school and every day is different. Um, Again, it's, it's all about communication with my wife, really. My wife and the kids really influence what my schedule is. And the nice thing about the way that I work is that I can fit in work whenever and almost wherever. Um, I also do not work after 8 p.m. That's a, that's a thing that I've um, implemented recently yeah. with clearing my headspace, not kind of absorbing blue light with my screen and you know, just really starting to wind down in the day so that I can wake up super fired up and ready for the next day. It's hard to do though, especially with your phone, and you got Twitter and Instagram and
1: yeah, Slack especially.
0: messages coming in. It's it's tough to turn that off. But you know, the big thing for me was somebody was like, Pat, like, nothing's going to break if you don't check your phone until tomorrow morning. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like you know, the one time there's going to be an emergency. I don't know. Nothing is broken ever. Um, a lot of us get into this mode where we feel like we have to always check on things, and I think we should be. I mean, we have this fear of missing out, right? But I've learned this thing recently, which has been really helpful, especially by saying no to new ideas. That's another thing that I personally struggle with. I love trying new ideas, but I don't want to miss out. There's this fear that we all have, fear of missing out, FOMO, right? But I'm trying to practice JOMO. Have you ever heard of JOMO? Jomo. Joy of missing out. (laughs) And so I feel now like, hey, you know what? That thing's kind of cool, but I am going to put my foot in the ground draw a line in the sand, and stick with what I'm going to do, and I should be proud of that, and I'll put that away for later.
1: Yeah, that's an awesome concept, uh, Jomo. And also, um, you talked about your morning routine. Can you you talk a bit about that? Because um, also, that's something that I'm trying to do. Uh, What is your morning routine?
0: So uh, it's a mixture of Practices from the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. It's a book that has um, five, six things that you do in the morning and that's uh, the acronym is SAVERS. So silence or meditation, then affirmations, visualizations, exercise, which I have typically on the end of the day, uh, reading and scribing or journaling. So it's a mixture of all those things. But actually, a lot of it is now influenced by a new book that I read called "Own the Day" by Aubrey Marcus, who's the founder of a book uh, or founder of a company called On It, which is a, a big which is big in the fitness space. And "Own the Day" has been really, really great because it gives me some specific sort of health and nutrition type things I can do in the morning. So here's what I do in the morning. I wake up, I go downstairs, I get some tepid water, I put some Himalayan salt in there, in the water, and lemon juice. And okay. I drink that. They call it the, the, the morning cocktail. And what that does is it helps with your digestion for the rest of the day, and it also yeah. gives you minerals in the morning that you lost when you were sleeping, those kinds of things. Okay. And then I go outside if there's sun, and I try to absorb about 10 minutes of sun. If I don't have that, I actually – I'm trying this thing. It's called the, the human charger and it looks like an iPod with earbuds coming out of it, but the earbuds emit blue light and you put them in your ears and you do that for 10 minutes and it has, uh, your, your ears have these receptors for light. Actually, it's, it's one of the most sensitive parts that receive light in your body. So mm-hmm. this allows you to kind of wake up because it's like, Oh, morning. Cause it's just like we did back in the day before, you know, back in caveman days or whatever, right? Like the sun is what woke you up and the yeah. light Um, changes your body so that you are ready for the day. And then the last thing I do is get a little bit of movement. So I have a a little Peloton bike at home and I just ride on that for five, just five minutes, or I do some jumping jacks or something just to kind of wake my system up. And then after that, I go take a shower and I do uh, a warm shower with soap and shampoo and stuff. And then I do three minute cold shower. And during that cold shower, like all the way on cold, which I hate, (laughs) um, I do some breathing exercises. So this is the gosh, I can't remember his name, but this guy who used to do these ultra marathons in Iceland, or no, not in Iceland, but in Antarctica with no shirt on, he could withstand the cold because he trained himself and his body through this, these breathing exercises mm-hmm. to help him with endurance. And I've been doing that for about a couple weeks now. And he's breathing exercises during the showers. And I, I swear, my energy level, I've never had so much energy in my life and so much focus and creativity. My whole day is started off with just being completely just as creative as I can be as focused as I can be energy to not not just do work but also be 100% there with my kids I haven't had a headache in so long and I haven't had that like lull of energy that you often get at like 2 p.m. I feel energized all day and I think it's a lot due to how I start the day so that's it's kind of cool
1: Wow, and or, man, you're a badass! Yeah, I mean, cold showers. I'm trying
0: new things again. I'm experimenting, and I've tried a lot of other things in the in the past. I used to try like intermittent fasting and bulletproof coffee and all the like, just to kind of see what works for me. And I think I'm yeah. in a good rhythm now. So everybody's different, though.
1: Wow, and and so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I tried cold showers. I totally like. I couldn't even stand about like you know, ten seconds of really really cold, <laughs> like. But um. Uh, maybe I'll try again I don't know (laughs) Uh, but I really want to try to get up earlier I think it's something that really um helps Mm -hmm. Uh, on my end it's kind of harder just because I'm communicating with the U.S. market like you know people like like you in the group um and then for me it's like nighttime, and then I stay up late until like 1 1 a.m or something like that and then I go to sleep and I just I can't get myself up at five or something um but maybe I should. I, <laughs> no,
0: well, I mean, you kind of need sleep, though, especially yeah. when you're working hard, and uh, if any of you are in study mode for any tests, I mean, studies have been done where you actually learn more when you get more sleep and, as opposed to cramming, because your brain, when you're sleeping, it actually that's when it writes everything. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I'm, I'm not a scientist or a biologist or anything like that, but this is just what I pick up on these books and I try it out. but get, get some sleep, and you'll be more energized to do better work on the next day. But there are days where. I'm, I'm hustling hard and I got this thing I need that, that has a deadline and I'm up until 2 a.m. and I pull all, all-nighters every once in a while, but it's not a all-the-time thing because I know on the other end of it, I'm going to have balance and, and there's something on the other side that kind of, um, you know, it's kind of yin and yang.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, so what time do you go to sleep usually because 5 a.m. is early?
0: Yeah, typically going to bed at 10.30 a.m. So I'm getting, you know, uh, six hours-ish of sleep. And- in okay. uh, six hours is good seven and a half is good if you wake up in so typically our uh, sleep cycles are about an hour and a half mm-hmm. you know in terms of like uh, light sleep to REM to kind of, kind of ca- coming out of it so if you okay. can wake up in one and a half hour increments uh, you are able to wake up more refreshed Even like waking up with only six hours of sleep you can actually feel more refreshed than if you wake up with seven because you haven't hit the seven and a half uh, additional one and a half hour mark because you'd be waking up in deep sleep and a lot of you've probably gotten eight hours of sleep and still felt groggy and tired and you probably woke up in in the middle of one of those cycles
1: yeah I've, so yeah it makes total sense and um makes all sense i i think that also something that you're talking about you know with this um morning routine is something that is common uh amongst very successful entrepreneurs it's something that uh you know i mean People can look at you and, and hear your podcast and see everything that you produce into the world, and uh, most don't know how much effort you put into uh, your energy and your uh, well-being in order to do that. In order to produce at high levels, this is like you know peak performance stuff, um, right. stuff that athletes do in order to perform. Um, so I think there's, there's something like a correlation between athletes and entrepreneurs. It's really interesting.
0: I mean, absolutely. I
1: mean, when you think about it and this
0: example is used a lot, so I apologize if you've heard this before, but when you're on the airplane and they're doing the demonstration about safety and they show you the oxygen masks, they always say put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help others. Even if you have kids, put it on yourself first. Why? Because you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. If you can't breathe, how can you help any other anybody else? So Taking care of yourself allows you to help more people, and when you help more people in business, you can get better you can get better results because your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. Um, you know I know that the better parent I am, the better the kids are going to be, and the more options they 're going to have when they grow up the better and more focus that I have, the better my products are going to be the more creativity I have in my marketing the uh, communication that I have with my audience and, and the more love I give to my students I mean it's going to come back to me it always does but if I give them like you know half energy I'm going to get half results back it's 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 a pretty strong correlation
1: yeah and I, I totally feel that and also um, something that I've been practicing I don't know if, if you think about it that way or not but I'm, I've i read uh, the presentation secrets of Steve Jobs and uh, have you read it?
0: I haven't read that one, but I have studied presentations a lot. I used to follow a lot of Dale Carnegie's stuff. Um, I've, I've read several books. I haven't read his, but although I did read his biography, and I know a little bit about his presentations and kind of a lot that he puts into
1: it. So, so, yeah, um, so, so that book is really, really good. And, and um, one of the things that the author talks about is about how uh, Steve Jobs practiced his um, and like his enthusiasm and energy on stage and he's talking about like when you're wanting to perform in front of audiences, you should make sure that your energy level is up higher than your usual energy when you talk to regular people and therefore mm-hmm. uh, even up to the point that it feels a bit weird and then you're on the right kind of level of energy. So I'm, I'm trying to practice it. I'm trying to smile more. I'm trying to be more energetic like, you know, when I'm um, even now, you know, I'm thinking about it uh, not to be kind of like, Yeah. All right, Pat. So, you know, because we usually talk like that or, or, you know, so, all right. And and now we talked about your um, routines, but how about we talk a bit about your principles and values, like the inner spiritual kind of stuff. Um, What are some of the guiding principles and values in your life that you think, you know, have anything to do with your success?
0: I mean, the thing that has everything to do with my success is serving first. That's a motto that I have. That's a, a practice um, and something I try to teach others to do, which is to serve first. Because like I said earlier, your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve others. And it's not just your earnings that are a byproduct. It's, it's, it's your life. It's how fulfilled you are. Um, when you help others, I mean, a lot of things happen. The law of reciprocity comes into play where a person who you've helped will look for ways to want to help you back. That's just human nature. It yeah. also feels really great to give to others and serve others. And this is something we're trying to instill in our children. So we do a lot of philanthropic work. We built schools in Africa and we get the kids involved because we want to train them that giving gives you more back. And it's not just about the money. It's about the long-term butterfly effect of that and, and the examples yeah. that you're setting for others as well. Um, It also helps when people get served by you. They're going to want to talk about you. It helps you uh, be different than everybody else out there. It helps you have a personal one-on-one relationship with them, even if you're doing a one-to-many type of serving. So I always come at it from how can I better serve my audience? Anytime I create a product, anytime I write a blog post or come out with a podcast episode, how can I better serve my audience? And you'll actually, if you've uh, ever spoken to me at a conference before, Um, It's interesting. I've had a lot of people comment on the fact that when I am in a conversation with a fan I ask as many questions as I can can about what they're doing and and them so I can see how I might be able to help them Even one small tip can go a long way Because I know that they're going to take that and perhaps get a quick win from it or at least share that experience And that's going to help more people kind of get in tune with what i'm doing. It's never about me Um, It's just like when you're interviewing somebody if you are uh if, if you are speaking more than the person you are interviewing, then, then something's wrong. I think it was Larry King who said that when I, I, I think he was a guest on Conan O'Brien, which is a show here in the US. But yeah. um, anyway, serving first is, is big for me. Um, also, failing fast, getting to a point where a failure is really important to me because I want to know how I am doing it wrong sooner so I can do it right sooner. And so getting to those failure points fast. Now, I'm not trying to fail but I welcome that failure. This is something that used to really bug me because I came from a household where I would come home with a 96% on my math test and my dad would go, well, what happened to the other 4%? And we worked like three hours on those 4%. And that's how I was trained. That's how I was taught. I thought everything had to be perfect. So it's been very difficult for me to make that transition to then learn how to embrace failure, to embrace those mistakes and learn from them But also realize what my superpowers are and what my superpowers are not. That's the third thing. Do more of what you're good at and less of what you're not good at. And this is hard to do. And it may sound kind of interesting coming from me as somebody who likes to try a lot of things. If I try something and I know I'm not good at it, and it's still necessary to do, then I've learned to find somebody else who can do it for me. Um, if it is something that, uh, I try and it doesn't work out uh, the way I planned, I then reconsider whether or not it's something I need to continue to do in the first place. And that's very hard to do, but all the top people in the world, they focus on what they are good at and, and, and go all in on that. Um, in, and that's how they win. So I'm trying to, to practice more of that in my life too. And then also, you know, uh, less is more, I think this is another thing that I've learned over time is that sometimes less is more sometimes saying less is more. And this is how I've become a better coach over time is by asking the right questions and then sitting back and listening versus just, Hey, I'm coaching you. I'm going to give you all the information and overwhelm you. And probably you're not going to do any of that work. So less is more uh, in my blog posts. Less is more in my content uh, in terms of just trying to over like remove the overwhelm, but, but get right to the point as well. Um, And then, you know, small moments, small moments are are key for me with building an audience. A lot of times those small wins and those small interactions, they mean a lot and that's how I can earn a fan. But at home, the small moments mean so much as well. For instance, if my wife's there and she's doing something to clean the house or something, I'll just, you know, go up to her and say, you know, Hey, turn the vacuum off. I just need to tell you just, I'm so lucky to be with you because i'm so thank- like all that you've done to support me and the family and i just wanted to thank you doing that randomly means so much more than the good night i love you every single night in bed which is just expected and routine so i i look for moments where i can where i can do that because those are the small things that get remembered those are the things that get talked about you know all those kinds of things same thing with the kids as well just every ran- every once in a while just I I often have a check-in system with myself every single day. How can I add more value to the people who I'm with right now? And that just is a question I've learned to ask myself all the time. So if I'm on a webinar like this, I ask myself that question. If I am with my family, I ask myself that question. And then I go try to actually do that thing.
1: I think that's super important. And uh, it's something that um, I guess is something that I have tried to do all along with my other communities. Um, I... I call it like being in the, how can I help you mode? Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of like try to give value all the time. But now that I'm, you know, really uh, that that I'm in touch with you and and seeing how you're doing and implementing it into your business and, um, and, you know, all along following you, knowing that, you know, you're talking about this and and you're actually giving a lot of value. I'm seeing it and I'm thinking about um, karma and I think that it just like, you know, just like karma. Um, and, karma. man,
0: Yeah, I mean, and you've been very consistent with these, these, with these chats here in this Facebook group and the Facebook group has grown and it's growing faster than ever and it's going to continue to grow and you're getting back what you're giving to the community. So, I mean, I think we should all give Sagi a big hand for putting this group together and it's just getting started. I know it's going to be huge, especially if you keep this up because I don't really know anybody else who's going live and bringing this kind of value to a free group and community like you are so I would just say you know keep up the great work you're
1: you are practicing what I'm talking about already yeah thanks so much man really means a lot to me um and now I just want to ask you a question so I mean you're such a great guy giving value and and like you're, you're always kind of looking how to help people um I've never seen you mad do I, do you ever get mad yeah <laughs> yeah
0: I'd mean, be human if I didn't get mad I get mad I uh, at myself. I get mad at others when things don't go the way they are supposed to go. But I've learned to cut myself off before I do something that I might regret. I mean, I used to get to the point where I'd get upset and I'd punch the wall. And I would be like LeBron James who you know broke his hand and then had to play like that the whole rest of the finals. So it's just human nature to get upset and frustrated. And I try to channel that frustration and, and, and energy into how can I learn from what just happened. How can I improve? Is typically the first question, and then how can I deal with this situation better? Um, You know, one of my favorite things about my favorite movie, Back to the Future. Which, if you know anything about me, you know that I'm a huge fan of Back to the Future and hoverboards and things like that. Although it's not a real story, real things happen, like they talk about in the in the movie. Meaning, you know, Marty goes back into the past, he changes a few things, and his whole future is rewritten you have the ability to write your future right now. And a lot of what you are writing is a lot, is based off of a lot of what's happening to you. And you can choose to write that story in any way you want. Sometimes we let our frustrations write that story and that affects who we become. So although things happen and we cannot control them all the time, just like when I got laid off, um, you can, change what happens as a result of that thing that happened. And I think that that that's key as well. So yeah, I mean, I get mad, I get frustrated, I try not to use the platforms that I have online to share that frustration. I have done that a few times. And it's always backfired. So I always check in with myself. Like one time I, um, I had ordered this mattress and bed set for my daughter, and it was supposed to come in on her birthday. Uh and the truck arrived and and the mattress came in and two of the side things of the bed came in but the main headboard piece didn't come in and i got upset i was like man it's my daughter's birthday we were supposed to have this bed set up like i'm really upset so i go on twitter which is like the last thing you want to do when you're mad and i go hey company thanks for letting me down on my daughter's birthday which this just, just sounds really bad right now, though. like even just talking about this. And then I had like 10 of my followers go, Pat, I know that this is probably not the, I, I know you probably don't want to hear this, but that was kind of a hole to do um, or don't use your platform to, to complain. You're one of the good ones. And I was <laughs> like, oh man, crap. So my initial, my initial reaction was, oh, I got to delete that.
1: Even your followers I- are good people.
0: You could probably go and find it. I don't even know when it happened. It was a long time ago, probably four years ago. Um, but I kept it up there to remind me to not ever do that again yeah. and to, you know, to use the powers that I've generated through the connections that I have with people for good, not for evil. Um, but yeah, I get, I'm i human. I get frustrated and I get upset. And you know I've also learned how important it is to control that reaction because things stack. I don't know if you've ever had a bad day kind of thing, but it starts yeah. off bad and it just gets worse and worse yeah. and worse. Because you, you're you expecting it. And when you say to yourself, I'm going to have a, like today is a bad day, then you look for those bad things mm-hmm. to confirm that you are having a bad day. It happened to you. So I switched it up in my mind. I mean, today I started out terribly. So I woke up with a little bit of a stomach ache, but that's okay. But then I went to school to drop off my kids with my wife and I stepped in some dog poo huh. with my new shoes. And I was really, I was, all right. And then I got home and a bee like flew in my face and I was like, whoa, this is going to be one of those days if I let it. So I knew that I could make a choice. I can go look for other things to confirm that this was a bad day or I can look for things to confirm that actually that all that stuff has nothing to do with the, with, with the rest of my day. So I went into my home and I look at my YouTube account and I'm like, man, I'm so grateful I have all these followers on YouTube. I go to my wife and I say, babe, I love you. Thank you so much for walking uh, with me to bring the kids to school. I'm so thankful for you. Confirming that even though I stepped in dog poo, I have this amazing supportive wife going into the studio today uh, and and, like being thankful about the fact that I'm here with you guys today. Like this is, this is totally outweighing dog poo poo. So, (laughs) you know, I've been able to stop that pattern and start a new pattern earlier than I would have normally done so in the past.
1: Totally. And I think you're talking about something that um, really um, I'm, I'm also thinking about this constantly because I, I think that as, as you go on and you mature as, a, as not only an individual, but entrepreneurship kind of does it to you. I don't know, but um, I, I start to say to myself, am I spitting out negativity out to the world or am I mm-hmm. spitting out positivity? And, and, it just happened to me exactly like last week I had two days of almost no work just because my uh, network was down at the house, like no wifi whatsoever. And I was so mad and I was trying to get the, to call the, the support and, and they didn't answer. And then I called them again, waited 20 minutes when they did answer, they hung up by problem. I don't know why they hung up, but they hung up. I was so mad. I was like, shit, I can't even get support on. And I was just going on Facebook. I started writing like, you know, and mentioning the company's name and like, your shit Wi Fi is losing me money is like, you know, da 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 da. I was about to press publish and then I'm like, Sagi, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And are you putting <laughs> out negativity into the world? Does it help anyone you are you doing this? Will them I can't tell you how day? many
0: like drafts of status updates and tweets that I have that were never published because I did it's good of you to check in with yourself right before you hit publish. Sometimes it's actually kind of therapeutic to write it all out. <laughs> You no know, it's kind of yeah. like I saw a, uh, a really funny interview on Jimmy Fallon, I think with um gosh, I can't even remember who the actor's name name was. It could have been Daniel Radcliffe or, or another person, but he was like you know he's, he's the most um he, he's like so he he talked about the story about when you know people would cut him off in a car. you know there's like road rage right people get really yeah. upset in their cars yeah. he's like I'm the most um angry driver that you'll never know because When he has somebody like do something to him on the road that he hates, he flicks them off, but down below the window where (laughs) nobody can, right? So he like still gets that anger out. But uh, and he's like, mm, but nobody knows. And he's like not projecting that negative negativity into the world. Anyway, just reminded me
1: of that. I it was really fun. All right. I just wanted to take a short break here. Um, if you listen to this episode all the way here, it means you probably find value in it. Right. So, well, I wanted to just let you know that this is a weekly show and it's published first on the Mindful and Ruthless Facebook group as it's recorded live. Yes, this is a Facebook live interview and it basically allows you to interact with the speakers and myself and ask questions as we're recording the podcast and we are trying to answer all of those questions so if you haven't already be sure to search and join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook I promise you you'll find amazing value in joining this community as long as basically joining a community with a lot of other amazing entrepreneurs so all right back to the episode uh, by the way, a quick tip for anybody listening or watching to this right now, like watching this right now that, um, about getting road rage. Um, so I, I used to really be upset on the road, like, like really, really upset in my twenties. And then I went to my Buddhist teacher and I told him about this problem that I have. Like I get mad, like I never got mad ever before. Um, and so what I did, I, I, I want, I, he, well, he told me, he told me, listen, whenever you get mad like that, there's basically fire what you have to notice is the candles that lit that fire. So basically, as soon as someone does something to you, you have little small candles that light up. That's basically, one is basically your um, instinct to notice it, but whether with your eyes, your ears, with the honking or anything like that. Second is a will to take action, maybe. The third is like you're starting to make a story about his mother or something. I don't know. you're, You're starting to like really do all these things that you're you're sparking yourself up and that becomes the fire um so once i noticed the candles like about like a month two months later i was a completely different person on the road right now i almost never get mad like um so that's something that if anybody like the
0: candles are there and there's a little bit of a flame it's up to you to just keep it there and not do anything with it
1: yeah so just like you can notice those candles and that's it. Um, so, all right. Um, we have, I know we, you're stressed on time and we should finish soon. I have so, so many questions for you. Um, go on, so go on. I'll go on. And um, if you were to launch a business from scratch all over again without any significant equity, um, like what is the number one thing that you should do differently?
0: The number, the number one thing I would do is talk to people about it. Specifically, if I had an idea, talk to people who that idea might be perfectly for. This is what I teach in my book, Will It Fly? And it's largely based off of a lot of huge mistakes that I made in the past. Back in 2010, I created a software that I was trying to keep secret. And it was a WordPress plugin that I was developing. First of all, I just rushed into it. And I had a terrible experience with that developer because it was my fault. I didn't even know exactly what I wanted and I didn't know exactly what to create because I didn't talk to anybody about it. I had an idea and a vision in my head. It took us a while to unpack that and turn it into into something. And then when that plugin was finally made six months later and $15,000 later, then that's when I shared it with people. And those people were like, ah, it's good. I mean, it's, it's all right. Not really. But what if it did this? What if it did that? Oh, good start. But it should do this instead. And by then I was out of my budget for that already. And I kind of failed. So um, a few important lessons there. Number one, I just rushed into it. But number two, um, I didn't validate those ideas up front. And I should have had those conversations before. And I was so scared of other people taking those ideas. And yes, that is a potential possibility. But the chances are very slim. Because even even though people might be like, ooh, that's a great idea, I, I, I should try that. Most people are not even gonna take the action to do it because you're the one that's actually doing the research and the action to do it right. Um, But secondly, the pros that come with speaking to people about your idea far outweigh the cons. They get to poke holes, they get to ask questions that you hadn't even thought of yet. They get to tell you, no, it's not good. It should be like this instead and great, good thing you're talking about this now versus later. Um, Matching that with understanding the pains and problems of your audience which again come out through conversations. They will tell you in their own language, which is really important, what they're going to do or what, what what they've tried to do that didn't work, and what what they're going through, what their day is like. When you can understand those things, you can better help people. When you kind of can define the problems better than your target customer, they're going to automatically assume you have the solution. That's a Jay Abraham um, quote, and 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 so I would just more than anything have as many conversations as I can with people, yeah. so that I know what to do next and i can remove a lot of the guesswork that comes with building a business
1: yeah i think that also really uh, correlates with um my you know background as a user experience designer because you know they say like you x like you're not the user so it's like you have yeah. to ask people <laughs> um and yeah so user testing and stuff like that were in the methodology that i practiced and tried to get as much feedback from users so uh, totally makes sense talk to people Ooh. um and question like what like I I think I know the answer but if you right now just say I have this message to the world and you'd probably open like up a a Facebook profile, YouTube, podcasting, whatever you're thinking about right now as a professional like because some people here are professionals in their own fields but want to get their brand, want to build a brand out there. So what would be the platform that you'll focus on if you had to do this all over again?
0: If I was starting out and I I already had like a brand idea or perhaps some knowledge or expertise in something and I wanted to build my online presence and build a brand, personally, I would start with podcasting. And I'm not just saying that because I have a podcasting course and because podcasting is something that changed my life and I'm helping many other people change their lives too. But that's where things are going. And yes, video is still up there as well, but podcasting is so much easier. You can batch process much better and you don't have to worry about what, you're, what you look like or what, you're, what what people see in the lighting. It's just all about audio plus Competition-wise, I mean, there's less than a a million active podcasts right now, and that's growing, but there are 500 million active YouTube channels. There are 500 million active blogs, roughly, right? And so the competition's less, and I think that when it comes to the message that you're sending, there's no better way to give a person that message than through the power of your voice in an intimate setting, Yeah. meaning... The way podcasting is consumed, podcasts are consumed is on the go when people are on their, on their commute 55 minutes a day, when yeah. people are on a walk or at the gym in places where nobody else can be, where there are no other distractions outside that can remove people away from that episode and actually content-wise and the length of consumption of these platforms. YouTube, I know because I've been diving into YouTube, if you have people watching your videos for more than five minutes, you're doing really good. Five minutes is good. If you are writing a blog post, five to ten minutes is pretty average, and they don't even read every single word, right? They scan down the page. Uh-huh. With podcasts, people are listening to 85 to 100 percent of episodes for podcasts that they are subscribed to, sometimes hours, a day of you yeah. and your message in front of people in a way that is just so intimate. Somebody had once said that podcasting is the best way to scale intimacy. And yeah. that's how you build uh, trust. That's how you, uh, first of all, you can get people to find you and, and know you. And then like you and then trust you and then whatever whatever it is you want them to do after that if it aligns with that and if it's something they feel that has value then they're gonna they're gonna jump on that opportunity and podcasting is, is where i would start
1: i would totally uh, agree with what you're saying it's a great point by the way about the, like the watch time and stuff like that i mean um and just want to point out um to add on top of that that you published a, a, an episode on your youtube channel um what should you start with, the YouTube channel or a podcast? So I think it's a great uh, – you, you brought up some great points as, as well in, in there. And um, what are your suggestions on launching a podcast you know, for a small issue of listeners?
0: So if you go to howtostartapodcast.com, you can take my free tutorial on how to do that completely free to get everything set up. so that'll take you through the technical stuff and to the, to the kinds of content that gotcha. you should be creating and you know the getting on directories, all that stuff. So how to start a podcast.com um, completely cool. free. But um, what I would recommend the big thing is you want to understand what can best help your people. So what are the most common questions? What is um, you know, a big pain that they have? Start talking about those things. Invite other people on. you can actually grow uh, with authority and get more exposure through the people that you connect with on your show. And also use your show as an asset. You can use it to get in front of other audiences that you might not have been able to get in front of by interviewing certain people, including group owners and forum owners who are more than likely to say yes to being featured in some way, shape or form on your show. Um, I would also recommend not uh, looking to try and get sponsorships on your show right away, but mainly to A, build that trust and build that relationship, but you can make money from it as well through affiliate marketing or selling your own products. Or if you're trying to get clients, it's a great way too, because then people get sort of a sample of what it is like to work with you on there by you telling these stories. And that's the biggest and final tip I have for you is to use the podcasting platform to tell stories. Even if you're teaching, even if you're teaching something like top five ways to grow on Facebook, you can still start each of those tips with a story. Stories are what people gravitate to and podcasting is the perfect platform for that. It adds context, it makes it more real, it provides connection between yourself and those who are listening to that story and people can imagine themselves in that story so that if it leads to some call to action or a tool that you're recommending, they're more likely to jump on that. Uh, There is a lead magnet which you can grab at affiliatemarketingthesmartway.com that will give you some of my higher level tips on winning with affiliate marketing. I also have some affiliate marketing stuff for free on YouTube uh, yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, I know you have great content on YouTube as well. Now, I wanna ask some things, um, I wanna ask some things that uh, not a lot of people talk about, I know, especially with you. And there's something that when I was coming up as an entrepreneur, I was hearing you talk about uh, podcasts, great, I was hearing you talk about online courses, all the stuff that you're talking about, but there are some stuff behind the scenes. I will just start behind the scenes kind of like um, so there's something about masterminds and, and coaching and stuff like that. Um, I I know that something that you have been part of masterminds and stuff like that. So can you mention just like a few of those and and how, if someone even wants to consider starting out, like, you know, entering a mastermind or something like that, how can they do that? Sure. So, There's a
0: video on YouTube that is a recreation of a presentation I did about masterminds and the structure of those kinds of things. So if you wanted to dive deeper into that, uh, that's where you can go. But masterminds, which are little small groups that get together on a regular basis, they can be as small as two people or as big as I would say six. There are larger masterminds, but then you kind of lose the effect of the smaller group where the way that they're run is you kind of have a person in the hot seat every single week or however often you meet. Um, and everybody focuses on helping that one person, Um, and then the next time somebody else is on there, knowing that they're they're going to serve them with some brutally honest advice, knowing that they're going to get brutally honest advice back, and it's kind of a, if you imagine Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur and that sort of thing, I mean, it's a round table because there's no head of the table, and everybody's there to serve each other, but also there for typically a bigger mission, and so when you can connect with the right people who will um, be people that you can trust and they will trust you and you can help each other, hold each other accountable, share goals with each other, help each other through some hard times. Um, it can really work out for you. I have been a part of two groups that have been going for uh one has been going for about five years now wow. with Cliff Rickcraft, Leslie Samuel from Become a Blogger, uh Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner, Mark Mason from uh LateNightIM.com and also Ray Edwards from rayedwards.com. That's one group. And then the other group I have uh, is with Jamie Masters and um, uh, a few other people Todd Trestor, um, and, um and Rick Mulready, Sean Stevenson, Rosemary's in there as well. Uh, that group uh, me and Jamie connected eight years ago, and that, that's been running every, basically every Monday, for one hour, I meet with them. Wow. And in my life, you know there's priorities of groups of people, right? We have my family, you know, God yep. family my mastermind group, than my best friends. (laughs) They're literally up there because they have had such a huge effect on my life. And I care about them so much. And the more I care about them, the more they care about me and my life. How Everything integrates with each other. It's not just talking business. And a lot of those people are in different niches. Uh, In one of the groups, um, this person left uh, recently, but his name was Roderick. He is a hypnotist and a sword swallower. That's his, that's his job. He travels around the country and does shows at high schools and colleges all the time. He was in the mastermind group. How does that help me? Well, when I started speaking on stage, who do you think knew how to keep an audience engaged and form an amazing performance? That guy. And so Roger helped me a lot with how I present on stage. And of course he's building his business too, so we can all help him with that sort of thing. So there's a lot of crossover, even in different niches. And I would recommend actually getting connected. So if you wanted to start one, that's where I would start. There are the, some that exist where you get invited to, but a lot of them are very closed and you kind of have to get to know the people first. I would go to conferences or meet people in person, try to find one or two people you really vibe with and stay and say, you know what, like let's continue this moving forward even after this conference is over. And let's stay connected and hold each other accountable. And that's how these things form.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I mean, you just mentioned that's high up there. And that's something that, you know, not a lot of people talk about. And I, I got opened in, into this, like, whole thing. Like, I uh, started coaching, like, uh, like getting coached a year ago, only a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying, why didn't I do that earlier? So that's one thing. now, like, the masterminds and and being in your group right now um, that's so amazing that i don't know why i haven't been open to this before um and so i guess everybody watching or listening to this right now just know these kind of things happen and, and look at pat and it's like he's investing one hour or maybe even like two hours how many how much time i don't know with the other group or-
0: but then we do meet in person every once in a while but th- these are done virtually well, like one of them is on free conference com and another one yeah. is on uh, zoom so yeah. i mean it's don't have to make it difficult you don't have to be in the same location either
1: yeah but still like you know you're a super super busy entrepreneur and you make time so um i think it's a it's a great point and some people like we need support of one another in a community in a very small community to kind of like help us push each other um and and so it's a great a great thing mastermind and have you had coaches before
0: um i haven't had um i have a coach right now uh Mm -hmm. but i hadn't had coaches for a while just because i was too scared to ask anybody to coach me I thought that getting a coach meant I was a failure, that I didn't know how to do it myself and I should know how to do it myself. And I know now that that's the complete opposite way to think about it. Actually, now every time I do something new, like webinars, I go and find like the person about that and I try to absorb as much information as I can about that. Um, If I am training for something like like a triathlon, I go and find somebody who's done that who can teach me how to do it instead of me having to, I'm saving so much time by not, going on YouTube and trying to like look at videos on how to do that. Like I just go to the people and I ask them that's even if they cost money and they usually do, I go there and I pay for that knowing that I'm saving time and I'm getting the best information. I'm, I, I'm paying for a filter and somebody who has experienced what I want to experience. So I can just cut out the time and get right to that, 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 that success, whatever that might be. So yeah. um, I always try to find coaches in these little realms, but I have a, A business coach right now who I'm in connection with every single week as well who is learning about where I want to go and is really really poking at me to try and discover really what I want which has been the hardest part because you know a lot of times we don't even know what we want so how do we know what to do if we don't know what we want which is why he's big on understanding well what do you want how do you want things to be then that affects what you do
1: yeah, man. I mean, it's like it's amazing uh, hearing this from you. Like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, it's kind of like uh, we. It's kind of, we're always in a mode of like, what do I want to be when I grow up? Kind of mode. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the fun thing. Uh, so it's it's great hearing that also from you because I'm in this kind of like, I don't know what I should do here. That like you know, and and I feel like I'm a, I'm a kind of like a new entrepreneur. Um, so uh, it's it's. Um, it's great to hear that from people like you that you have these kind of thing, thoughts as well. Um, and finally, I know you have two minutes, so I just want to close off. What are books, articles, YouTube videos or channels that you find super interesting uh, either lately or in the past year that you can recommend to the audience?
0: Yeah, I mean, my favorite podcast right now is the Model Health Show by Sean Stevenson. He's a good friend of mine. He's in a mastermind group with me. Um, one of the best health and nutrition related podcasting and gives you a lot of information in a way that doesn't make you feel stupid Uh, book. um, The one thing that's a annual read for me. One thing by Gary Keller and Gary, uh, not Gary, Gary, check, um, Jay Papasan. Um, and then in terms of YouTube channels, uh, you know, that, I mean, there's a lot of YouTube channels, but, um, Sean Cannell or Sean Cannell. Yeah. uh, yeah. From video influencers. They're, they're teaching me a lot on video for sure. And and there's a lot, I, I could, the list goes on and on and on with video stuff. Um, because there's just so many people who have been really helpful for me along the way so um, I'll just stop with Sean and uh, Benji.
1: (laughs) Cool and any books?
0: Uh, Yeah the one thing.
1: The one thing? Yep. Cool teaches you you about Jomo.
0: (laughs) Say, Say again?
1: Teaches you about Jomo right?
0: It does teach you about Jomo but also like the consequences of doing too many things at once for sure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> all right. And um, any tools that you use right now that you like to recommend that maybe people haven't heard of?
0: Oh, any tools? I mean, we're using something in our business uh, that's helping out really well with the team and editorial calendars and, and things like that. Uh, we're using CoSchedule to Co-Schedule. You know, plan our editorial editorial stuff, and that's you know been massively helpful in organizing a lot of the work that we're doing across you know all the team members. Um, and then the other thing is 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 um, gosh, what is it called? Uh, I think it's called Airtable.
1: Oh, Airtable. Yeah,
0: yeah. Airtable is a good tool that we've been using for a lot of things. So that's kind of taking over as our sort of spreadsheet. Really, sort of uh, yeah, cloud-based spreadsheet kind of
1: tool. Cool. Yeah, I hear a lot of people are moving to that. That's interesting. Cool. And finally, you know, right now, where would you want me to point out people? I mean, first of all, to the podcast, second to your YouTube channel, where else would you like me to point out people to?
0: Um, I mean, just, you know, hook up with me on Instagram or Twitter, at Pat Flynn, and you'll see a lot of things I have going on there. Um, I'm also, like I said earlier in the beginning, have this Kickstarter campaign coming out next week for my book, Let Go. So you can all check that out when when it gets Uh, when it gets out there, if you'd like, and I'll share um, it for sure. Yeah, Thank you. I appreciate the support and um, we'll celebrate 10 years. It'll be a lot of fun. So it's, it's been a long road. It's been exciting. It's been a lot of ups, but also a lot of downs, but um, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that layoff. So I'm very blessed that it happened.
1: Um, I I also want to thank that, that it happened because (laughs) I wouldn't get to know you and, and be influenced so much. And now like, you know, coming up and now being in touch with you and being in your group and huge for me so thank you so much pat for coming on the show well pat thanks so much for your time man and have an amazing rest of the day
0: thank you i appreciate you uh all and Sagi especially you and if you want to say hi to me and thanks in person just twitter at pat flynn or instagram as well um looking forward to seeing you there
1: awesome all right so bye for now bye everybody and be sure to check in every tuesday for another episode cheers (laughs) And that's a wrap! I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, I would love if you could help me out and please rate this on iTunes. This is a new podcast, so reviews on iTunes go a long way, and also ensure that more people will just get to enjoy it. You only have to do this once, not every episode, and it has a tremendous impact. Also, if you haven't yet, I would love to invite you to join the Mindful and Ruthless group on Facebook, where I host this show live, and also share so much more with the members of the community. This will be a chance for me to get to know you better and I love connecting with my audience. All right, so until next time, remember to be mindful and ruthless. Ruthless with your gut feeling. Ruthless with your journey. Don't let anybody take you off your path, my friend. Keep on and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.
0: Because you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. I mean, the thing that has everything to do with my success is serving first. I'm not trying to fail, but I welcome that failure.
1: All right, so three things that are worth mentioning here at the end of the episode. Number one, some time has passed since I recorded this and I posted this live in the podcast version and on YouTube, so basically here are the things that are important for me to mention. So number one, Pat introduced The American Morning by Hal Elrod and Own the Day by Aubrey Marcus. Both of them are great books um, that I noted also in the show notes in this episode and he also mentioned his own morning routines. This totally inspired me to start my own morning routine as well. Since then I've read both of those books and I have been doing my own morning routine. I take a cold shower almost every day. I manifest, I write my goals, I practice gratitude, I meditate, I exercise, I strategize. Not all at once, but you know I mix and match and mix and match every single day. And most days, it's before my kids even wake up. So it has been life-changing for me, and really contributed to my well-being and personal self-esteem as an entrepreneur. So uh, when you get so much shit done, you know, before the rest of the world, the rest of the world even doesn't even start his day. And I feel like you know I'm hacking my health and my time. So also, about a month after this episode, Pat's episode where he interviewed me on SPI got live. It basically was published, and this was a huge milestone for me in my career. I'll link in here also in the show notes for this episode, but if you already are an SPI listener, just uh, go to the SPI and search for episode number 326. And if you want to know how I got on Pat's show and how I got to to, to have him here on this show, you can listen to the first episode of this podcast. So that's it, everyone. Be sure to check out all the links and learn more about my uh, connection with Pat on mindfulandruthless.com/pat everybody have a blast catch you on the next one